Welcome to American Dissident Voices. I'm Kevin Alfred Strom. Today, I want to celebrate with you 30 years of this program, American Dissident Voices, which began as a discussion in William Pierce's West Virginia office near the end of 1991 and was on the air on WWCR and WRNO shortly thereafter in December, right at the end of December 1991. Let's listen to an excerpt from the very first month that ADV was on the air, an interview I did with Dr. William Pierce, founder of the National Alliance. Be aware that the References to National Vanguard books are to the predecessor to today's Cosmotheist books, which continues and expands its tradition at CosmotheistChurch.org. Listen. American Dissident Voices Brought to you by National Vanguard Books. The piece you just heard was based on the lead editorial in National Vanguard Magazine, number 93, entitled At the Threshold, by Dr. William Pierce. For the last three programs, we've been presenting a continuing interview with Dr. William Pierce founder and chairman of the National Alliance, and the man behind National Vanguard Books, which produces this program. Let's continue with that interview now. What else do you sell besides books? National Vanguard Books sells um, video cassettes and audio cassettes. Um, Our audio cassettes uh, contain uh, a number of speeches by... uh, uh, patriots and uh, leaders of uh, patriotic organizations uh, that have been delivered over the last uh, 20 or 25 years. Uh, some of these are of considerable historical interest. Uh, all of them contain ideas uh, worthy of consideration by uh, our customers. What about videos? We have uh, some materials that were produced uh, in Germany prior to 1945, which uh, have uh, very important messages, uh, and uh, yet these things have been banned. You sell a video called The Other Israel. What's that all about? The Other Israel is um, a a very well done documentary on uh, the the Middle East, specifically on uh, the uh, role of the State of Israel in the Middle East. It looks at the um, the history of uh, not only Israel, but uh, the history of the Jews and of the Zionist movement, the way in which these things have uh, influenced our lives, uh, and it suggests uh, some dangers that uh, we ought to be aware of. What other books do you recommend that uh, white people should obtain and read from National Vanguard Books? Gee, Kevin, there's so many books which are important uh, books on our history and prehistory, on our myths and legends, books on race, on society, on ideas, the ideas of uh, 
Friedrich Nietzsche has expressed in his book, uh, Thus Spake Z Zarathustra. And of uh, George Bernard Shaw expressed in his Man and Superman are extremely important. And I highly recommend uh, these two books, which are available from uh, National Vanguard Books. We, yes, we sell a very interesting little book entitled Why Civilizations Self-Destruct, which I believe every responsible white person should read. Perhaps the single most useful book that we sell is a reprint volume containing all of the important articles from 12 years of National Vanguard uh, tabloids and its uh, predecessor. Uh, the title of that book is The Best of Attack in National Vanguard Tabloid. And all of these books are listed in your book catalog. All are listed in our catalog with the prices and ordering information. And that book catalog is available as part of our information kit, and we'll be giving you the information and the address for ordering that kit later in the program. Now let's go on to a personal question, Dr. Pierce. Two, I'm going to ask it in, in two parts. When our enemies... When the controlled media describe your motivations for what you're doing, what do they say your motivations are? And after you answer that question, tell me what your motivations really are. Well, I think hate is the word that uh, is most often used in describing uh, my motivations or in, in describing the motivations of a number of other people whose ideas are contrary to those of the masters of our controlled media. Uh, actually, uh, it wasn't hate at all which motivated me to uh, begin my work. It was um, a great concern for what I saw happening around me in the 1960s. Uh, I saw our society being turned upside down, being stood on its head, I saw all of our old values uh, being replaced by new values. Uh, I've, I've never been a person opposed to progress or opposed to change, but I saw many things happening in the 1960s which greatly alarmed me because I had the instinctive feeling that these changes were contrary to our interests as a people. And I felt the, uh, the urgent need to understand better what was happening, uh, and once I had gained some understanding, to speak out, to say something about these things, because I saw people around me who also were concerned remaining silent, afraid to speak out, afraid to cause offense to the powerful forces that were behind many of these changes. What were some of these changes that concerned you? Well, there were a great many changes. Uh, some... Uh, in manners and morals, uh, uh, but I think the uh, the greatest change was was uh, racial. Um, it, it was during the 1960s that all of the barriers between the races in the United States were pulled down. Uh, the barriers against miscegenation, uh, the barriers of which had uh, formerly uh, <coughs> provided white environments uh, for living, for uh, schooling, for working, for most white people in this country. Uh, all of those barriers were pulled down and we began moving toward 
what uh, the advocates of these changes uh, proudly describe as the multicultural society that we see around us now. Uh, and I uh, was not at all sure back in the 1960s that uh, pulling down these barriers between the races was a good thing. Uh, that uh, destroying the um, unique environment that uh, each race had um, lived and worked and uh, developed its own resources in uh, heretofore, I wasn't sure that it was uh, at all a good thing to uh, destroy these uh, uh, individual racial and cultural environments and uh, throw everything into the melting pot and stir it up. What's going to happen uh, down the road if uh, this program of multiculturalism and multiracialism continues? What's, what's its ultimate destination for us? Well, uh, we can uh, already begin to see some of the uh, consequences of this uh, program in the, the breakdown of uh, values, the breakdown of, uh, of um, morality, the loss of a sense of identity, the loss of essential, a sense of racial uh, consciousness. Uh, ultimately, uh, this will lead to um, a, a loss of uh, any uh, uh, racial uh, distinctions whatsoever. We, we will, in, in fact, cease to exist as a race. And uh, that, I think, will be the ultimate tragedy. You want white people to re-erect these barriers between them and other races. You want white people to live separately. Doesn't that imply, as your critics suggest, hatred of all other races? No, not at all. Uh, I think it behooves the members of other racial groups to live separately just uh, as it uh, behooves us. Uh, after all, when you throw everyone into the melting pot, it's not just our culture, it's not just our civilization, it's not just our race which is destroyed, everyone's is destroyed. Now that all the hoopla has died down about the Persian Gulf War, perhaps we can look back objectively at it. Now most Americans feel good about what we did there. Should they? Well, I don't think so. I don't see uh, any reason why we should uh, feel good about having uh, gone over to the uh, Persian Gulf and uh, slaughtered 150,000 people who uh, have never done us a lick of harm. And in, in fact, uh, they're people who, uh, who, by no stretch of the imagination, could have could have ever posed any real threat to us. Uh, we had no business going over to the Persian Gulf, uh, liberating uh, Kuwait putting the emir of Kuwait back on his throne, uh, chasing uh, Saddam Hussein out of Kuwait, uh, blasting his uh, country back into the Stone Age, uh, certainly did not uh, serve the interests of uh, the United States, the interests of the American people. Uh, and uh, I'm uh, rather embarrassed uh, that so many people uh, seem to have gotten uh, uh, such a bang out of uh, this uh, uh, adventure that we uh, we had uh, in the Middle East. Uh, if we must engage in a war, it should only be when there is some compelling national interest to be served, and there was no compelling national interest that was served in the uh, uh, Persian Gulf War. Whose interests were served? 
The only interests served were those of uh, Israel and of Israel's supporters in, in this country. Uh, Iraq was the one credible threat to uh, Israel's uh, hegemony in the Middle East. And uh, rather than uh, tackle Saddam Hussein himself, Israel preferred to have the United States uh, Armed Forces tackle him. Thank you, Dr. William Pierce, for being our guest. Dr. Pierce will appear in future editions of American Dissident Voices. That was Dr. William Pierce and I speaking during one of our very first American Dissident Voices programs, a series which began in December 1991 and continues to this day. I am recording this program on the last day of 2021. Perhaps we weren't as polished as we eventually became, and neither I nor Dr. Pierce has quite fleshed out our on-air styles in those first few weeks on the air. But I think the potential of the medium, radio, audio, had never met better nor more important subject matter than the racial decline and demise of America and the West, and the great potential for future greatness of our people as we take control of our political and biological destiny. When Will Williams and I restarted American Dissident Voices eight years ago, I shared some of the history of ADV with you. Back in those days, before the Internet was in many Americans' homes, we depended on AM, FM, and shortwave broadcast stations. And we made some powerful enemies. To keep us off 50,000-watt shortwave station, WRNO, organized Jewish interests boycotted the station and withdrew their advertising from it and its FM sister station. But Joe Costello, the station's owner, believed in free speech and kept us on the air even though it cost him a huge amount of money. Then they outed Joe Costello as a so-called racist and published in their newspapers that he had given money to, horror of horrors, David Duke's political campaigns, trying in yet another way to ruin him financially. But Joe Costello would not bow down. American dissident voices stayed on WRNO for many years. Also defiant was the ownership and management of Clear Channel KXEL, an AM station that covered half of the United States and Canada at night. Pressure was applied to them again and again for months, but the station's owners would not capitulate, and our voice was still heard. The controlled media published editorials denouncing American dissident voices and KXEL in both countries, and Jewish groups even tried to get the Canadian government and the Washington regime's FCC involved. But the only thing that finally worked for them 
was for the enemies of free speech to out and out buy the station and then refuse to sell time to us. And that process took a very long time. In the meantime, 20 states and 5 provinces got a weekly 50,000-watt clear-channel dose of truth. Less inspiring, but still edifying, was the case of the Delano, California FM station, KDNO, that carried our show for a while. After a few weeks, though, the general manager of the station notified us that we were being canceled because, although he agreed with many of our positions, our failure to venerate God's chosen race was quote-unquote unscriptural and a sin of such magnitude that it could never be forgiven, much less tolerated. Then there was the Curious case of the two millionaire brothers who owned a powerful Los Angeles radio station and who put American dissident voices on the air for a month or so. The brothers personally called Dr. Pierce on the telephone after a few shows had aired, apologizing profusely and admitting that they knew that everything we were saying about race and the organized Jewish groups was true but that if they continued to air the show, they'd have zero advertising revenue and black rioters burning down the station and possibly the brothers' homes in very short order. And when Will Williams and I restarted this program eight years ago, I also told you that not only are we restarting ADV, we are reforming the National Alliance and building a headquarters and media center, and by the way, now a William Luther Pierce Memorial Library and Research Center, in a new redoubt in Dr. Pierce's beloved Appalachian Mountains. The National Alliance's longtime membership coordinator, former Green Beret Will Williams will manage the new alliance. I will direct its media. Both we and others who will be assisting us behind the scenes worked directly with Dr. Pierce, some of us on a daily basis for decades. It is time to be uncompromising again. Those who took the alliance in a big tent direction, hoping for quantity, at the expense of quality, have all failed miserably. Excising the parts of Dr. Pierce's membership handbook that pointed out fundamental contradictions between Christian doctrine and the National Alliance worldview did not bring numbers to our ranks, nor advancement to our cause. The original membership handbook, the one actually written and approved of by Dr. Pierce, will be our starting point. The cosmotheist understanding of the purpose of the universe and the meaning of our lives, undergirded by reason and science, will be the basis of all our efforts. We must never lose that vision. We must not base what we say and do on gaining popularity at the expense of our long-term goals and fundamental principles. There will come a time 
for single-issue front groups, for cooperation with other nationalists to achieve certain limited goals, for a modus vivendi with other races and nations, but never at the expense of the goal of white living space, never at the expense of pretending to believe what we know isn't true, never at the expense of allowing other opposed ideologies a place within the National Alliance leadership. It will be objected that we are but a handful of men, and that is true. But I was there when all the men and women who had promised to help Dr. Pierce build a new community had abandoned him, and membership was at an all-time low. One by one, Will Williams came, Fred Street came, I came, Joe Price of Dresden fame came, and others of sterling character and generous hearts and inspired souls came to the mountain and we made something great grow in those Appalachian hills, something that, whatever comes, will never be forgotten. Great movements of national renewal always begin with a few trusted men, gathering together to pledge their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor to a cause that is greater than themselves, to a future that requires devotion and action to come into existence. And so, on that note, let us raise a glass and toast not just what we have done in the last thirty years of American Dissident Voices, but what our race will do if we continue to do right in the next 30,000 years.